Daniel Kahneman is a prominent Israeli-American psychologist and behavioral economist. He won the 2002 Nobel Prize in Economics. He currently is the professor of psychology and public affairs at Princeton University. His most influential works are on cognitive biases, behavioral economics, prospect theory, and loss aversion. Thinking Fast and Slow, which is like one of my most favorite books of all time, is a summary of his whole research. In this book, Kahneman talks about human psychology, particularly the way we think and make decisions. He discusses mainly two ways of thinking, one which is fast and intuitive and the other which is slow and rigorous. He argues that the quick method is not always accurate and it is sometimes better to slow down and use the thorough process of thinking to make better decisions. So hello everyone, my name is Dr. Amrik and today we are going to talk about the top 5 takeaways from the book which is described by the Financial Times as one of the greatest and the most engaging collection of insight into the human mind, Thinking Fast and Slow by Nobel Prize winner Daniel Kahneman. So let's get started. So this book explains not only how we think but also gives us a primer on how to think better. The big idea here is that there are two sets of thinking systems which govern our mind. The two systems of our brain process information in different ways to arrive at different outcomes. The first system is the intuitive system. This system is an evolutionary legacy of the past wherein quick responses offered us survival advantages. The intuition of which we are so often proud of is a trait of this system of decision making. The instinctive or intuitive reactions are somewhat automatic. Ducking to a ball which is thrown at our face is one such example of system 1. Intuitive and natural responses are reactionary and quick. The second system is that of deliberate and conscious decision making. While deciding which career to choose, one will go over its op all the options very carefully and weigh in the pros and cons before making a choice. It is obvious that it is this kind of a system which resonates with our sense of self and conscious individual decision making. Due to this dichotomy, however, we are very prone to making errors in judgment. See, it's like our mind is very prone in making like in taking the least effort required to arrive at a solution and this results in mistakes our intuition is the mind's way of using least energy to solve a problem so when this system one is incapable of handling a particular situation the more purposeful and thoughtful system two comes into action but many a times this call to action is missed and our mind is fooled into taking a hasty decision so Kahneman discusses a famous bat and ball problem to showcase the errors of our approach. So for example, imagine a bat and a ball, okay? Both together cost $1.1 in total and the bat costs $1 more than the ball. So tell me, how much does the ball cost? What's the answer? If it took less than a second for you to answer that, the chances are that you answered the ball's cost to be $0.1. Simple, right? Well, the actual answer is $0.05, which is evident if you like apply your system to think about it for a bit and do some mental math. See, this problem exposes our mind's tendency to adopt to the least efforts route to solve any problem and this results in misjudgments.
So, priming effect. Now, what is priming? A quick Wikipedia search will offer you the following definition. Priming is an implicit memory effect in which exposure to a stimulus influences a response to a later stimulus. Now, let's unpack that. Implicit memory effect. So, whatever priming is, it's not occurring consciously, it's unconscious. Exposure to a stimulus. Now, this stimulus can be anything, auditory, visual, tactile, etc. And we call it a prime influences a response so this stimulus is affecting our later behavior in some way so putting this all back together priming is what we call it when exposure to something influences our behavior later on without us being aware that the first thing is guiding our behavior to a certain extent so too much of technical jargon right mm, sorry let me explain it to you okay but before we get into the story i want you to do a small task for me I'll give you a word like first and last letter of the word and you have to guess the word right as I grab some food so complete this word while I grab some food the word is s dash dash p guess what did you think soup s-o-u-p okay so what if I go and take a shower what would s dash dash p be now soap s-o-a-p maybe if I read the words night moon and sleep you would be much more likely to think D-RK as dark instead of, say, dark, right? So this is priming. Using, like, images to improve performance. Like, in a study by Ron Friedman, where people were mainly shown but not allowed to drink sports drink or beverages, the people who were primed with such images were much more likely to endure longer and persist in physical training than people who were not. If priming works best when your brain is an autopilot, when you're not consciously trying to make sense of what is happening around you. Similarly, adding bio or all natural to your product primes people into getting thoughts of nature or farms, thinking that products are more fresh. Similarly, grocery stores noticed a similar effect when they discovered that the smell of freshly baked bread increases sales. The smell of freshly baked signifies that the food is fresh and motivates people to buy more food. See, even music motivates specific thoughts and it makes us more likely to use these thoughts when asked to think or act subsequently. Hence, Spotify playlists for workout and meditation are hugely different. Okay, so anchoring effect. Now, anchoring or focalism is a cognitive bias that influences our decision-making abilities. This bias uses our reliance on a certain piece of information. Typically, the first bit of information that we receive about anything becomes our anchor and all our future evaluations are based on this anchor piece of information. Too much technical jargon, eh? Let me give an example, alright? Anchoring bias in case of product pricing. You see, when you go shopping, you tend to see a lot of prices ending with a 9, right? Like, the Zara jacket you love is priced at 39999 not 4000 or 4999 not 5k, right? You know what? Thanks to neurophysiological data, marketers know that anything that is supposedly priced at 39 bucks versus something that is priced at 40 bucks is not merely perceived as 1, one buck cheaper. It is perceived as 10 
bucks cheaper, right? This tactic has been dubbed as charm pricing. In his book Priceless by William Poundstone, he dissected eight studies on the use of charm prices and found that, on average, they increase sale by an astonishing 24%. Another example, Black Friday, or like any other sale, right? Where, you know, anchoring effect comes into play. See, we often see discounted prices on items okay and they're grouped together they seem cheaper and we think that we are getting the best possible discount see all this discounting is doing is it's setting an anchored benchmark to create an illusion that we are getting a great deal okay long story short if you want to sell something make your initial price very high people will anchor from that original price and make the decision of that and then offer them a discount they will always think that they have had a fair deal So, cognitive ease. For this topic, I would like to quote one of my favorite lines from the book. Our comforting conviction that the world makes sense rests on one secure foundation, which is our almost unlimited ability to ignore our own ignorance. See, when it comes to taking in information and deciding what to believe and what not to believe, we are appallingly predictable. We are most likely to believe, number one, what is familiar. Something that feels familiar is easier to absorb. It could be familiar because it's associated with other beliefs that we have, or it could be coming from a trusted source. On the other hand, it could simply be something that we have come across before, like especially when we have come across it multiple times. Like frequent repetition can be enough to convince people to believe things that are not true because familiarity generates a sense of cognitive ease. This is called the mere exposure effect. Advertisers make use of it and trust me, they aren't the only ones. (laughs) Number two, we are more likely to believe what is easy. Information that is easy to understand also gives us a sense of cognitive ease. Information that is difficult to understand requires more cognitive effort to process that and our brain's preference is more towards the easy things. Say you are faced with choosing between two concepts, ideas or explanations. Idea A is very easy to understand while idea B is more difficult. Statistically speaking, you are much more likely to accept idea A instead of idea B simply because idea A is easier for you to swallow. Do you get a sense of your cognitive dis-ease now? Number three, we tend to believe what validates our pre-existing beliefs. Information that confirms what we already believe to be true makes us feel right and certain. So we are more likely to accept it without much of critical thinking. On the other hand, we are more likely to reject information that is inconsistent with what we already believe or at least we hold that inconsistent information up to greater scrutiny. We have different standards for evaluating information depending on the level of cognitive ease it generates. And evidence has precious little impact on us if it conflicts what we believe simply because the cognitive strain of processing that evidence is far too great. For example, trust me, it is way easier to believe that what we see is all what what there is than it is to believe that we are aware of only a tiny fraction of what is going on around us. 
even if it's like being confronted with evidence that we missed something that was right in front of our face also disclaimer i did not mention any political party here all right <laughs> Okay, so hindsight bias. The term hindsight bias refers to the tendency of people to have a view of events as being more predictable than they really are. It's like before an event actually takes place, we might be able to offer a guess as like what might be the outcome, but there is in reality no actual way, right, in which we are going to know what's going to happen. But after an event, people often believe that they knew the outcome of the event all along. Hence, this is often referred to as I knew it all along phenomena. okay the, for example the weather is extremely unpredictable right yet people tend to think that they know the weather and fall victim to the hindsight bias almost with every weather change you know you can constantly hear things like i knew it was going to rain i should have brought my umbrella or my rain boots or like i knew today would be great weather sunny i should have taken the day off but the fact of the matter or the matter of the fact is that they did not right <laughs> see When a movie reaches its end and we discover who the killer really was, we might look back on our memory of the movie and misremember our initial impressions of the guilty character. We might also look at all the situations and secondary characters and believe that you know, it was clear that this was going to happen, right? You might walk away from the film thinking that, you know, you knew it all along, but in reality, you did not. CSMI me anyone? Unlike even in Shutter Island or Memento, where after knowing the big reveal in the end, a lot of us feel that yes, you know, um, I little those little nuances. I had noticed a lot of little errors throughout the narrative of the movie, and definitely had a gut feeling about the big reveal in the end. But I did not tell the other person because you know it would have been a spoiler. One potential problem with this way of thinking is that it can lead to overconfidence. If we mistakenly believe that we have exceptional foresight or intuition, we might become too confident and take a lot of un- unnecessary risks. You know, such risks can be financial, such as placing, you know, too much of your money into a one risky stock portfolio, or might be emotional, such as you're investing way too much of yourself in a bad relationships, thinking that, yeah, I know this thing is going to work in the future. Okay so thank you for sticking for so long and um, so here's your bonus the halo effect so in this book kahneman introduces the concept of exaggerated emotional coherence or what we will call as the halo effect the halo effect is the tendency to like or dislike everything about a person including the things you know nothing about or have not observed based on one single trait or one single experience with them Now he gives an example of meeting someone at a party who is later asked for a donation. You would know nothing about the amount that person has donated, but if you like the person, you are most likely to rate that person as more generous. And if you don't like the person, you are most likely to rate that person as less generous in the donations. Essentially, people tend to assess other people based on an early emotional impression rather than first assessing their traits and then forming an emotional impression.
so the first impression becomes very very important kahneman asks so what do you think of allen and ben allen is intelligent industrious impulsive critical stubborn and envious and ben is envious and stubborn critical impulsive industrious intelligent it turns out that most of the people rate allen much more favorably than ben even though the traits are the same and just listed in reverse order in fact the stubbornness of the person who is first views as intelligent sometimes even evokes respect the sequence in which we observe the characteristics of a person despite often being by chance increasing the increases the weight of the first impressions so life hack guys in a job interview for example you would want to start by presenting your agreeableness or likability then the hr is more likely to rate your intelligence higher than an another equally smart and qualified applicant who didn't start by eliciting a positive response all right so that's it for today let me know what are your thoughts on the podcast and how i can improve maybe <laughs> This is me Amrit signing off. I wish you have a really productive day. Thank you.